Hi, everyone. I'm Kelly O'Horo, and this is Adaptable Behavior Explained. Hi, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Today, we're going to talk about emotions, and I know that we discussed emotions in a previous episode, but today we're going to take a deeper dive because they really are the catalyst for every single behavior that we ever did since the time we were born. For now and forever, emotions are the first thing that happens, and they're chemical in nature. So we want to talk first about what they are. They serve a purpose. They're not random or meaningless. They they serve a purpose. We take in data, and they play a crucial role in helping us adapt and respond to the world around us. Each emotion serves a purpose. So, for example, uh, fear helps protect ourselves from danger. Sadness helps us to process loss. Happiness reinforces positive behaviors. Pride motivates future behavior. When we feel proud of ourselves, we want to keep feeling proud and we want to do other things that motivate future behavior. So all emotions are really critical critical and important and there are no bad emotions. I love that the movie Inside Out came out because it made this conversation so much more easy to have. I think everybody in the whole wide world should watch this movie. I know they've done such an excellent job. They had brilliant writers on the the team to make sure that it's accurate. And so if you haven't watched Inside Out, you need to do that. But in that story, what we learn is the emotions that are that are um, inside of Riley, who is the main character, they are driving all of her behaviors. And we get to see that from a really creative space. Ever wonder why you feel the way you do? We'll get to know your emotions. When life gets you down, that's when sadness takes over. This is sadness. With a caring touch and a kind heart, sadness leaps into action to let you... I said sadness leaps into action. Sadness? Oh, sadness. So if you haven't seen Inside Out, watch this movie. Uh, But I want you to keep in mind that in that movie, sadness is actually the hero. And until and unless we get to the grief and the sadness of her experiences, she doesn't resolve her her stuck spot. So watching Inside Out with sadness as the hero is the key. So emotions are complex and they're multifaceted and they're often interconnected. So what that means is sometimes I'm happy and I'm sad at the same time. Sometimes I'm confused and I'm scared, but I'm relieved depending on what the information is about. And so we're not always sitting in just one emotion. We have complex, varied emotion. And they can arise from a combination of both internal and external factors, including our thoughts, our beliefs, past experiences, inform how we interface with today's current circumstances, and emotion changes depending on what our history indicates. Sometimes understanding the root causes of an emotion can be challenging. And so they might be influenced by a combination of factors. So sometimes when you think that you're just anxious today and you don't understand why, and you're looking around at the world going, there's not really a reason for me to be anxious. Oftentimes that anxiety is rooted in something from the past. So we want to really get curious and learn about where our emotions got stuck and thwarted in, in time. And when we can address that, we can help ourselves move through to resolution so that today we're not feeling anxious when there's no ecological reason to be anxious. 
The good news about emotions is that they can be regulated. The bad news is it's not by stuffing them. It's not by hiding from them. It's not by numbing them because ultimately that's just a band-aid on a broken ankle. We want to make sure that we acknowledge our emotions, that we lean into them, that we look at them as data. What are they trying to tell me about myself? What do I need to pay better attention to in my life? How can I better honor my emotional experience? Because it's a natural response. And so when we lean into our emotions, oftentimes we have a better time at getting them managed. When I say managed, it doesn't mean shoving them away, but acknowledging, recognizing, looking at them so that they can move through. Emotion is temporary. They all have a beginning, a middle, and an end. And what I tell my clients when we're doing reprocessing with EMDR therapy is that even at their most uh, heightened or aroused state, they will only ever last for about 90 seconds until they plateau and they tar- and they start to soften. So emotions are not life-threatening, although sometimes we were taught that they are or we were not acknowledged that our emotions are, are valid or important. And we can regulate them in short term with state change things like mindfulness, relaxation techniques, getting support from others, sharing with a friend, those things can calm down. We can also help to uh, get our emotional states that are Uh, from past experiences resolved through seeking support like EMDR therapy or other bottom-up therapeutic techniques. Now, the topic of emotions is so fascinating and we learn more all the time. And so we've got a history of understanding emotions through, you know, renowned psychologists such as Paul Ekman. He discusses facial expressions and how all different facial expressions mean different emotions. Richard Lazarus, he, uh, talks about stress, coping, and emotion. We've got Jak Panksepp, who was a primary influence for me in my earliest years of of being a therapist, because he talks about the emotional systems in the brain and the primary emotional system in animals, such as play, seeking, and fear. And I'll talk a little bit more about that in, in a few minutes. Brene Brown has come through with so much beautiful research, and she's my she's my hero in our field because she's made it so normal to talk about. She's got her, you know, call to courage on Netflix. She's got Atlas of the Heart on HBO, and she's making the conversation really commonplace. And that is such a relief for those of us in this industry because it's a huge barrier that we don't have to overcome when we can just tell someone to go watch a Netflix special to better understand, you know, vulnerability, shame, empathy, and courage. And so it's a really exciting time to learn about this, but it's also a really uh, a much easier time for people to talk about emotion because it's it shouldn't be shamed. So a little bit about Yak Pinksep and how I learned about emotion initially before I became a daring um, way facilitator with the Brene Brown curriculum, is he talks about the seeking system, he talks about the rage system, the fear system, the panic and grief system, the play system, which is really important to bring attention to play. We all need to exercise our play circuits, and the care system. And he talks about emotion on a continuum. And so it's really helpful for us to understand that Emotion is is not linear, it's fluid, and there's a continuum of emotion. For example, with rage, that's on the the further end of, of more aggression. When things go wrong, anger is there. This is anger. He will make sure the world knows anger is in control. But what you really need to watch out for is when he's out of control. 
but then it can come down to resentment or a frustration. And that same circuit, all of those emotions sit on that same circuit. And so we can titrate from rage all the way down and we can understand that they all are just data. They mean something and we need to pay attention to the emotions that are in our bodies related to our environment. So when we talk about Brene Brown, and and again, I'm going to talk mostly about her and her influence of research on um, our profession, and and she's a grounded theory researcher, so I love that there are no outliers with her work, and she really informs the way that I see things related to emotion. And she just released this book, Atlas of the Heart. This is like such an awesome book. I highly recommend that everyone owns this. In fact, this year, everyone that I love got this for Christmas after we got, um, after it was released. And it's just such an awesome book to, to have. And I leave it on my coffee table. I have it Um, I have it where I live and that way we can refer to it. And something that we did, my husband and I did when we got the book is uh, he's in the field as well. And we started reading the chapters together. And so I would read aloud and we'd read the chapter and we'd talk about the emotions. And even as an expert in this field, I found myself corrected with certain uh, misnomers that I had about emotion. And so part of what makes this conversation so important is that we really need to be speaking the same language. We need to be understanding, you know, that shame is different than guilt and that rage is different than anger and that resentment is part of anger. It's just in the circuit that is, um, it's a little bit more titrated than, than full fledged anger or rage. And so this resource is awesome. I highly recommend it. It was a really connecting activity for my husband and I to do. It gave us something to talk about. It encouraged us to turn off the television. And of course I had uh, more rich vocabulary and conversation that I could have with my clients. So I always love when I can have uh, a twofer with anything. So the biggest piece that Brene talks about is that we have to embrace vulnerability. Embracing vulnerability, it's the birthplace of joy, creativity, love, and connection. And a lot of our clients talk about vulnerability as weakness. And so I wanted to read you a little excerpt from from her book that I think is so critical. Vulnerability is not weakness. It's our greatest measure of courage. And when I think about that statement, It really helps to unshame clients when they come in and they are so afraid to be vulnerable because of the messages that they received in their family system, that it was weakness, that there was uh, statements in their homes made about, um, you know, things that were gender stereotypical, like don't cry like a baby or real boys don't cry or, you know, kind of a pull up your bootstraps mentality. And it's really poor misinformation and it really keeps people stuck because it's just not good data. And so we need to embrace the fact that vulnerability is courage. It's not weakness. When I have clients come in, I'm like, you are the, you're the hero in your family. You're actually the badass that is brave enough to come face the emotional experience of your story rather than sitting out in your life, shoving everything underneath the rug and drinking a six pack every night. That's not brave. That's lacking in, in bravery when you're not willing to go face what's causing some of the symptomology or the reactivity in your story. It's really courageous to face your emotion. And ultimately, being able to recover an emotional life and going from a gray area where things were blunted to coming to a full 
full rainbow of emotions is really the full opportunity to live our most rich human experience. And it's how we were hardwired. It's how we were made. And so it's really important that this topic becomes much more discussed because we are really denying ourselves our our truest humanity. And it's what makes us different than every species is the array of emotions that we are capable of having. And so we want to learn to be authentic and open about our emotions and our experiences, even if it makes us feel exposed or uncertain, because that's what creates and cultivates rich, authentic, real connection. So in Brene's book, Daring Greatly, she talks about the concept of vulnerability and how it relates to shame and fear. And a lot of us don't really understand that before we start digging in and researching. And it's really important to understand how they interrelate. So by allowing ourselves to be vulnerable and acknowledging our emotions, we can lead more fulfilling and connected lives. And ultimately recognizing how these emotions connect is essential because we can't heal what we don't understand. And we certainly can't heal what we don't allow ourselves to feel. One thing that I think is important to dig into in this conversation is shame resilience. So shame is an, shame can be a barrier to embracing our emotions fully. We going back to a client who, you know, is afraid to feel vulnerable. They don't want to talk about their emotions. They are embarrassed to cry in front of even me as their therapist because they feel a tremendous amount of shame. And so the importance of building shame resilience is that if we don't challenge the feelings of shame and unworthiness, it'll hold us back in our lives. We want to be able to show up for ourselves and others with both empathy and compassion because cultivating empathy and compassion towards ourselves and others is ultimately how we can connect in the most rich, deep, meaningful way. Understanding and validating our own emotions and those of others can lead to stronger, healthier relationships and greater emotional well-being. So I want to go back to the concept of shame resilience, and I want to read a little bit about about shame resilience and why it's so important that we understand this, because like I talked about before, it's such a barrier to connection. So first, let's make sure we're all on the same page about what shame is, because a lot of people misunderstand shame. Shame is actually such a deeply rooted, full contact emotion. It affects our whole physiology. And so the words shame, the the emotion shame kind of lends itself toward I am bad. It's the focus is on self, not a behavior. So it leaves no room for course correction. And the result is feeling flawed and unworthy of love belonging and connection. Shame is not a driver of positive change. So it doesn't leave room for a change in behavior. So an example of a shameful moment is you get back a quiz and your grade is an F. Your self-talk is, I am so stupid. So my self inherently is, is the badness. Whereas guilt, which is different, is I did something bad. The focus is on the behavior And guilt is the discomfort we feel when we evaluate what we've done or failed to do against our values. It can drive positive change and behavior. So this self-talk sounds more like when you get your quiz back and the grade is an F, the self-talk is because you went to the party instead of studying for the quiz is I I behave so stupid or I made such a bad decision Um, versus with shame. The fact that the person that feels and thinks I am so stupid. So it it leaves room for change and growth. And we would really want to be more in the guilt territory because I am bad doesn't leave room for change. Humiliation 
is different. This is, I've been belittled and put down by someone and it left me feeling unworthy of connection and disgusted with myself. This was unfair and I didn't deserve this. So humiliation is about deserving. With shame, we believe that we deserved our sense of unworthiness. With humiliation, we don't feel we deserved it. So the student sitting next to you sees the F at the top of your quiz and tells the class, this idiot can't even pass the quiz in here. He says, stupid as they come. Everyone laughs and you feel dumb and enraged. So the difference is in deserving. I don't feel like I deserved to be treated that way. So the humiliation comes with a sense of injustice. And it's really important to understand the difference of that, especially when we're talking about how we feel in the world and how we're trying to express ourselves with people that we have relationships uh, with. Embarrassment is a little bit different. And this is something most of us can relate to. I did something that made me uncomfortable but I know I'm not alone. Everyone does these kinds of things. Embarrassment's fleeting, and sometimes it's even funny. So your teacher's handing out the quizzes, and you come back from the bathroom, and there's toilet paper stuck on your foot. Everyone has had this experience. We've all felt this sense of embarrassment, but it's fleeting, it's not long-lasting, and it doesn't go into this deep sense of the badness is me. So it's important to understand the difference of those emotions, especially when we're trying to express ourselves and help our um, help to enrich our connections. So I want to dig in a little bit to shame resilience because I want to make sure that I leave you with something that you can do to help lighten the load of the emotional burden that happens when we are inhibited by shame and we don't have full access to our full emotional expression. And this is something that you can um, you can start to practice in your own life, and hopefully you'll find this helpful. And it's in, um, it's in Atlas of the Heart, so if you want to refer back to it, I highly recommend you do. It's on page 139, so pick up this book and use this. It's super helpful. So the, the things that we can do to move through shame is first to recognize shame and understand its triggers. So can you physically recognize when you're in the grip of shame? Can you name it? Can you feel your way through it and figure out what messages and expectations triggered it? This is why um, Kristen Neffs talks about the concept of mindfulness. It's so important so that we can slow down enough to understand that when I get triggered and I feel shame, that I notice my shoulders come down, that my head falls down, that I feel like I need to withdraw and get small. And so I understand and recognize and I can name this emotion. And really it's about connecting in with our body and, and naming it, stating it, and allowing it to be pulled out. We want to practice critical awareness. Can you reality check the messages and expectations that are driving your shame? Are they realistic? Are they attainable? Um, are they what you want to be or what you think others need or want from you? So we need to be able to fact check. Is this real? Is it not? Is this something I need to own or claim? And then the cool thing about shame is it only grows in dark spaces, in petri dishes, in the hiding, and in the dark. This is what Brene talks about. And so if we can bring words and light to it, we can speak shame, we can reach out. Do we own our story? Do we speak to a friend when we're feeling an experience of shame? And do we bring light and words to the experience of shame? This is helpful because it stops it in its tracks. It doesn't continue to grow when we bring words and light and air to topics related to our shame. So are we speaking out about how we feel? Are we asking for what we need when we feel, when we feel shame? Because silence, secrecy, and judgment are the fuel for shame. So I'm hopeful that what this can do is help you start thinking about 
um, shame and you can start to cultivate a little bit more of your own shame resilience because this will help um, disinhibit you with the emotions that you don't feel fully comfortable experiencing or sharing or leaning into. So again, understanding and validating our own emotions uh, and those of others can lead to stronger, healthier relationships and help contribute to us being able to have wholehearted living. So Brene Brown talks about wholehearted living, that it's central to the message of involving, embracing our imperfections, being compassionate towards ourselves, cultivating authentic connection with others, and allowing us to live a full, emotionally um, unburdened, vulnerable life where we can have rich, meaningful connection. And that is what you all deserve. And hopefully through learning a little bit more about this, it becomes a little bit easier for you to embrace that we are hardwired for emotions and that we can't um, disacknowledge that we are made for them. And that in order to be a fully thriving, experiencing human, we want to lean into all of the emotions because they're data that are telling us something about our life our story, our history, and we want to honor and acknowledge all of the parts of ourselves and our emotional experience so that we can live the best life that we can. So thank you so much for tuning in. I appreciate your time. I hope that you find this helpful. If you have any questions, please feel free to um, jot those down below and remember to lead with love because it'll never steer you wrong.